Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. We are everyday people following Jesus every day. Okay, before we dive into scripture, I, I wanted to do a little bit of a debrief uh, on hashtag Holy Spirit Week, which uh, they, they tell you that if you're in a position like mine where you speak publicly, you shouldn't be debriefing anything publicly until you have debriefed it 100% privately. So we're like 85%, but we're going to try this anyway. Uh, so Monday morning, uh, for those of you uh, who were following along, you know that Monday morning was comfy clothes day. Uh, so I uh, showed up here uh, Monday morning in a hoodie and sweats, looking quite comfortable. Um, and the first thing I had to do was meet with an insurance adjuster uh, because we'd had some leaky pipes and, and that's all better now. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, so I, you know, I know he's driving up from South Portland. He probably got up at like six in the morning. He's in like a nice button down and clean jeans, nice shoes. And I'm here in a hoodie and sweats. And I know it said comfortable day, comforter day. I felt so uncomfortable in comfortable clothes. It was ridiculous. Like, I, and I, I found myself wanting to explain to him what we were doing, not because I wanted to tell him how awesome our church is, but because I was just really wanting to justify myself. Like, hey, I don't normally dress this way on a Monday. I, uh, it's not that I think you're so unimportant. I just rolled out of bed to show up. Like, I, we're just doing this for for a reason. Okay, so that's Monday. Fast forward to Wednesday, and it was Wacky Wednesday, and if you have been following along, you saw a picture of me that, well, it's on the internet. Uh, there's, there's, it's like, I'm wearing four socks that kind of overlap. We got Yetis and Mariners going on. I got backwards hat and a little clown nose thing, which I did not wear all day because it kind of pinches my nose and I can't really, it didn't really work very well. But, uh, but I got the rest of the getup on. And so first thing Monday morning, I had to meet with the plumbers uh, who were fixing the pipes. And so uh, they're there ready to work. And I show up um, looking like a clown is what I, I just, um, yeah. Now, what's interesting to me is that somehow Wednesday, I actually felt a lot less awkward than I did Monday. Um, and I think there's a couple reasons for that. One, uh, Wednesday, I looked like I uh, was dressing like a fool on purpose. Like, I, you sort of have to intentionally put on two different socks, right? Uh, and, and so, okay, uh, they probably thought it was weird, but at least I was weird on purpose. On uh, Monday, it just looked like I was lazy, and I didn't like that so much. Or, like, I didn't care about that. I mean, that, that part was more uh, uncomfortable for me. I think the other thing that happened is that Monday morning, this thing is brand new, right? By that point, like two or three people have posted stuff, stuff online. And, uh, and I don't know how many people are participating in this thing at all. Like maybe I'm standing out on this ledge with like two other people. Uh, by Wednesday, Tuesday night had happened. And Tuesday night, I got to come here and be part of the uh, banana split party that was happening with like 30 other people and see pictures of a small group across town and like 12 more people who are participating in this thing. And so by Wednesday morning, I look like an idiot. And I may be standing on that idiot ledge all by myself at that point. I'm not really sure. But at least I know that there's like 40 other people who are cheering for me while I'm looking like an idiot. So I, there was something... Uh, I, I think there's something significant about knowing that you are in a community of people that will cheer for you. Like as we talk about connecting beyond just being here on a Sunday morning, part of what we're talking about is knowing that there are people cheering for you as you go through your week. And uh, 
it is significant to be one of the people who is cheering, who is leaning into community and saying, look, I'm not going to dress like that, but I will cheer for you as you do. Um, now, obviously, this is just goofy dress up week, but there are, did we find it? Yes. Good. Um, mind me to fire him. Anyway, uh, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, the, uh, if you could take that down, though, I'm so distracted by the confidence monitor right now. Okay. Anyway. Whew. Um, all right. Uh, the, um, the importance of just, know, like I showed up to meet a plumber dressed like that. The, the importance of knowing that there are people uh, cheering for you, uh, the importance of being one of those cheering people. Like we lean into community, not uh, just for the silly dress up days and having fun together, although absolutely those things, but that when we are really stepping on, on a ledge in some way, in our faith, in our life, uh, that we know that there are people who are out on that ledge with us or who at least are cheering for us as we go. Uh, being one of the people who cheers also significant. So please find ways to, whether it's through our small groups, through things that you form, through football watching parties, have a banana split party every week. Find ways to lean into a community to be cheered for or to do the cheering. Now, the other thing that I noticed uh, was just how much I desperately want to avoid awkwardness. Uh, and, and there was something, I don't know if it was ironic or appropriate, that in this week where we are celebrating Holy Spirit, God's Spirit with us, who, as we'll read, sometimes calls us to some very awkward and uncomfortable situations, that I found myself, I, I just was confronted uh, again, reminded again, uh, of how much I want to avoid awkwardness. So I kind of stepped into it pretty well Wednesday, but it made me wonder how often I have missed an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus, an opportunity to bless somebody else, an opportunity to follow the, some nudge of God's spirit, uh, the opportunity simply to face my own need for conviction and grace because I haven't been willing to step into the awkward and uncomfortable thing. Uh, and so as uh, we uh, dive into this story of, uh, of what could be awkward and uncomfortable, and yet they step into it so boldly, uh, I, I am learning again this week um, how much uh, it matters for my, just for me personally, although maybe for you too, uh, my courage to step into awkwardness and uncomfortable things uh, is so buoyed by people knowing that there are people cheering for me as I do, um, and uh, and just how much more room I have to uh, continue to grow uh, in that in that area. So uh, we're going to dive into this story, and if you want to follow along for parts of it, at least. Uh, the story of Pentecost is in Acts chapter two. Pentecost is actually a Jewish holiday. Um, it is fifty days after Passover. Uh, and yet something so significant to the story of Christ's people happened uh, that we celebrate it every year on the 50th day of the Easter season. Uh, and, and before we get to the actual event on Pentecost itself, we have to back up just a little bit. Again, I mentioned earlier that, there, uh, that Jesus died and rose from the dead, right? We've celebrated that at Easter. Uh, we celebrate it every time we get together. And uh, so the disciples, his closest friends and followers, uh, these men and women uh, are now uh, staring at a risen person. And they get to spend 
weeks with him. They get to hear uh, his commands and his teachings again. He sits down and just eats with them and hangs out and they laugh and they have a good time. They get to ask their questions, their serious ones, their silly ones, um, and, and spend all of this time with him. And then there comes this point where he ascends into heaven and he says, look, I'm not going to leave you alone. Uh, I will send uh, the gift of the spirit to you. And specifically, uh, in, in the book of Acts, uh, in chapter one, so the book of Acts is the stories of the early church, of these disciples, and how they lived out this faith, that they had been following Jesus along, and now uh, he ascends into heaven, and they have to figure out how this works uh, without him right physically in front of them. Uh, and, and right uh, before uh, as they're in that period of time, hanging out for weeks, asking their questions, uh, Acts says this in chapter one, verse six. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? So the, the disciples uh, are, uh, have, have been following Jesus around uh, for three years now. They, like many other people, assumed that this Savior that they now believe Jesus to be, because if they didn't believe it before he died and rose from the dead, they sure do now. They, uh, they believed that this Messiah was coming to free them from Roman oppression that the Jewish people were under. Uh, and, and set up a Jewish-ruled kingdom. So when they're saying, hey, Jesus, when are you going to, to uh, enact our kingdom? When are you going to free Israel, free the Jewish people, enact our kingdom? They mean the Jewish people kingdom. But let's be real, they're also going, hey, uh, if there's a new kingdom and you're the king and we're the king's best buddies, that means good things for us. Right? When do we get to step into our kingdom that we get to be power players in? Jesus replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, pop quiz, but the answer's right in front of you. Jesus said they will receive what? Holy Spirit is a great answer, but it's not actually what this says. What's power? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power to do what? To witness. You will be my witnesses. Okay. So uh, when we start talking about uh, power and witnesses and uh, Holy Spirit and, and all of these things, the, um, the interesting part uh, or part of what's interesting here to me, I suppose, is that this group of people just asked Jesus, when are you going to come into your power? When are you going to step into your kingdom? And then by association, their own power and prestige is his sort of entourage. But he doesn't promise them the power to rule or the power to make other people do things, the power to be popular or comfortable. He says the power to be a witness. Well, what is a witness? A witness is one who shares what they have seen or experienced. Right? Our textbook definition. 
A witness is somebody who shares what they have seen or experienced. So it's not the power to have all the answers, the power to have all these incredible miracles, although we will see as you read through the book of Acts that there is plenty of both of those things, lots of wisdom and miracles, amazing things. Not the power to get all the attention on yourself, the power to be witnesses. Now, is that the power that they actually wanted? Uh, We don't know for sure, but based on their question and based on other stories we read in uh, the Gospels, the stories of Jesus's life, uh, we could guess uh, that they were interested in some actual uh, royal power. And we can kind of shake our heads and go, come on, guys, like Jesus is right there in front of you. What, 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 why can't you just get it? Well, uh, you know, why can't you just see what is about to happen and what's coming in front of you? Well, they can't see what's about to come any better than we can see what is in front of us for the next uh, couple of months or years. Uh, and, and they don't know. They, they only know what they know. And their understanding of uh, what is about to happen involves kingdom and politics and power. And it feels like then they're aiming for all of the wrong things. And yet, when the world looks at the church in our society today... What they believe they are seeing, if, if you listen to folks outside the church, or at least the loudest voices outside the church, they see people who want political power. They see people who believe they have all the answers that everybody else should live by. They seek attention and want everybody to focus on them. Now, true or not, I totally understand why the world looks at the church that way. I mean, if you just think about flyers and advertisements and things on Facebook that you see from churches, what, what do we advertise to the world? Like, come to our political discussion. Uh, here's rules that you should all live by, so we're going to make sure we post them in all of our courthouses. Uh, why don't you come and listen to us and pay attention to the things that we have to say to you? Is that the power that Jesus promised to us. Because the truth is that that power did come. That power did fall as Jesus said it would. It fell on those first disciples. And as people who follow Jesus today, it gets passed on to us. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Okay, so let's tell this story. The disciples are sitting in Jerusalem, uh, as Jesus told them to do. They're all gathered together uh, in prayer and worship, just waiting, not sure what to do, because Jesus said, go to Jerusalem. Uh, and so they, they did. So they're hanging out, and suddenly there's this sound from heaven, uh, like a mighty wind or a roar that comes kind of rushing through town. Uh, and that will attract attention. And so people start looking for wherever this sound came from. And suddenly what they see is they see men and women, these disciples of Jesus, 
uh, emerge from where they were gathered together with what looks like little uh, licks of flame above their heads. And they are talking in all kinds of different languages. So Pentecost, again, was a Jewish holiday. So there are people from all over the region, Jewish people from uh, different places, speaking different languages who are gathered there for this celebration. And all of a sudden, they're all hearing these people who don't look anything like them speaking in their language. And they are going, what is happening here? What is going on? I, uh, they, they are uh, overwhelmed. Uh, they're confused, uh, and they are most definitely paying attention. So here it is. Here is the disciples' moment. If they have been looking for an audience to tell what to do, they've got it. If they've been looking for power and influence, here it is, because people are just staring at them going, what is going on with you? And so Peter, sort of the, the leader of these disciples, steps up and he says, okay, I'm going to tell you what's going on. And you can read the whole amazing sermon in Acts chapter 2. Uh, I'm just going to kind of hit uh, some, some highlights. We'll, we'll kind of jump through it. So starting in verse 14. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles wonders and signs through him as you well know. But God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death could not keep him in its grip. God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. This is the story that we celebrate today. On Pentecost, the power of Holy Spirit fell on the disciples to empower them to be his witnesses. And when the power fell on Peter, what did he do? He witnessed. Peter made Pentecost all about witnessing Jesus. Not, not about the, the flames over their heads, not about uh, the, the languages that they could suddenly speak in, not about the disciples at all really, other than to assure people that they weren't drunk. Seriously, that's in there. Uh, he, he just turns all of the attention onto Jesus to say, here's what I've seen. We are all witnesses to this. Here's what you've seen. Here's what's true. Here's what I've seen. Here's what you've seen. Here's what's true. In fact, he doesn't even use any special skills or abilities. He, he doesn't uh, use all the different languages they can now speak. Near as we can tell, he just stepped up and spoke in the most common language to the most number of people. Clearly, he has some sort of gift for speaking, but that gift for speaking, as you read through the stories of Jesus's life, uh, also got Peter in a whole lot of trouble. And yet here he is stepping out, just saying, look, this is what I've seen. This is what I know. This is what is true. 
So uh, here's a question that you may not have thought about. Uh, I had not thought about it until reading through this story this week. Why would we need power to be witnesses? If all witnessing is doing is sharing what we have seen and experienced, what do you need power for? What, all it is is saying, this is what I've seen. This is what I know. Peter just steps up and does it. Like, what, what, what do you need the power for? Well, I, I think one reason uh, is found in the very next verse. I stopped at the end of 36 uh, in, in Acts chapter 2. 37 starts this way. Peter's words pierced their hearts. Holy Spirit gives us the power to be effective witnesses. Peter's words pierced their hearts. The witness was effective to reaching the hearts of those around him. When we gather like this, and, and some of us are going to leave this morning feeling like God said something or did something uh, in, in my heart, that something, something pierced my heart this morning, and I'm going I'm to take that with me out of here. I don't think that happens because Matt or Jesse or Wendy are exceptional musicians, although that may be true. I don't think it happens because Sky or Wayne or myself are exceptional speakers, although that may be true. We're up here doing our very best to be faithful to what God has called us to do each and every week. But we don't know what's going on in your heart. We don't know what your heart needs to be pierced by. But Holy Spirit does. Because the same Holy Spirit that is in me is in you and working on your heart and your life and can carry whatever words I throw out into this space and, and bring them to your heart in the way that you need it. That's really the only way that this matters. <laughs> is that Holy Spirit conveys what our hearts need to take with us. And the Holy Spirit translates our mess of, of words and emotions and all the things that we're trying to lift up to God and, and carries our praise to God. As we're out in the world around us and we don't know what to say and we're not sure what could possibly be or become effective, Holy Spirit takes our words and reaches to the hearts of others. Holy Spirit gives us the power to be effective witnesses. Now, uh, this word power, I want to jump forward in the New Testament a little bit because it actually makes me think of another verse in the New Testament about uh, receiving God's Spirit. Uh, there are two books in the New Testament, at least, uh, that are actually mentoring letters. A church planter named Paul uh, writing letters to a church leader named Timothy, sort of his mentee or protege, about how to be a church leader. And, and early in the second letter that we have preserved, Second Timothy, uh, Paul tells him this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Uh, this verse has been used by Christians through the centuries. 
uh, to justify all kinds of uh, use of power, uh, to defend their desire for power or their own self-righteousness, to say, look, God didn't give me a spirit of fear or timidity, so I am just going to run you over. I'm going to tell you what to do and how to run your life, and ain't nobody going to tell me how to run mine, because I will be bold uh, in my faith. Uh, That's not a a lack of timidity, that's a lack of humility, and it's very different. (laughs) Paul isn't writing to a man or a a church in a socio-political conflict. Paul is writing to a man, a young man that he cares about very much, who is trying to figure out how to lead a group of people whose lives are on the line, who when they start talking about Jesus, it could cost them or their loved ones their lives, their everything. So when uh, Paul writes in in verse 8, Uh, So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. When he says this, he's talking about very real physical suffering. Torture, loved ones killed, being outcast socially to the point that you can't even buy food. I have no idea what it is like to lead a group of people in that scenario where their lives are actually on the line. And, and we have some military people uh, in our community and in our church who maybe know what that is about. I, I have no idea the pressure that that would feel like. And yet, I confess that this desire to not speak up is in my life too. Not because of fear of death, but simply because of fear of judgment and awkwardness, Right? that I find myself not wanting to step into it. And while I wouldn't say I'm ashamed, the end result is the same. I am silent because I don't want to step into whatever awkwardness, uh, whatever uncomfortable conversations, whatever weird family dynamics I might have to step into to actually share Christ and his blessings with other people. By the way, the uh, word strength uh, in here with the strength God gives you, that's actually the exact same Greek word as power in the verse before and power in Acts 1.8. The word is dynamin. It's where we get dynamite from. Uh, so this is the same, the same word. As we're talking about power, we're talking about strength, the strength God gives us. And one of the reasons we need power to be witnesses uh, is the strength to endure. It, it's Holy Spirit giving us the strength we need to keep pushing. So uh, some people can push into the awkwardness just by force of personality, no problem. God bless you. I am so glad you're here, uh, and I need you to cheer for me. Uh, And if you are uh, uh, with me in the, man, I just don't like stepping into those things. We carry with us, it has fallen on us, the power of Holy Spirit to step into and endure whatever it is that we might face. And if you are afraid, the persecution is coming. You may have very good reasons to be afraid of that. And you feel like what we really need to stave off the coming persecution is political power. I do want to tell you that no political power will help you endure through what may be coming. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that pushed, it, that pushed Paul and Timothy through what they endured. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that pushes our brothers and sisters in Christ, millions of them all over the world who put their lives on the line every day for what they believe. 
Holy Spirit power gives us the strength to endure, carries us through. But Paul's breakdown of this gift of Holy Spirit didn't stop at power, right? God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Holy Spirit gives us the power, no matter what we face, to love. And if our rejection, our pushback against fear and timidity, in other words, our boldness, if our boldness does not communicate love, we are likely working in our power and not the power of Holy Spirit. Because scripture later tells us that the fruit of the Spirit in our life, what is grown in our life as Holy Spirit power grows in us is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. Love is born out of our lives as the power of Holy Spirit works through us. We received this spirit, not of fear and timidity, but of power of love and of self-discipline. Uh, Sky pointed out to me as we were talking about this, that so often when we are pursuing power for whatever it is, uh, what we're looking for is we're looking for control. Some control over my own vulnerability, my own protection, some control over the behavior of other people. And yet, what the fruit of the Spirit, what the power of the Spirit, Paul says here, actually gives us control over is us. The Holy Spirit gives us power for personal holiness. For personal holiness. This is not control of others. This is self-control, self-discipline. Now, I don't know what goes through your head and heart when you hear personal holiness. Somewhere along the line, as I was being brought up in church, uh, what that makes me feel is heavy. It feels like this burden on me. Like, oh man, there's this expectation that I have to meet up with and I just can't. And yet Paul says in verse nine, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it. He's talking about it like it's a gift. Not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. He called us to this holy life to show us his grace. That in this pursuit of holiness. We carry this tension of grace that, that as I fall short of this desire to be perfect and holy, that there is grace that covers that. There is forgiveness for that. And yet I'm called to step into making the right choice to self-control, to self-discipline, to facing down temptation and choosing the right way. And the truth is, when I doubt whether or not I can make the right choice, as a follower of Jesus who has Holy Spirit with me, I am not just doubting my own ability to make that choice, but I'm actually doubting the power of Holy Spirit in me. I'm doubting whether I have enough strength in me, whether God will give me enough strength to say no when I need to say no, to say yes when I need to say yes, to have the discipline and self-control. Now, the truth is, in my life, most often, it is not that the power is not there or I don't believe that it is there. It's that I dismiss it because I'd actually rather make the wrong choice, right? We have to shove aside the power of Holy Spirit in us to make the wrong choice. 
Because if we lean into the power that God has given us, if we, we stare at this, this uh, choice for self-control and self-discipline, making the right choice in the face of temptation, the power is in us to go the right direction. And then verse 10. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. He broke the power of death and illuminated life. The Holy Spirit gives us the power of life over death. As Tim Keller says, there is a love at the center of the universe. This triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, constantly in, in love. This one God expressing all the love in a perfect and whole way that there is to love. And he said then, that for the Christian, all death can do now to Christians, he said, is make their lives infinitely better. Tim Keller passed away this week. After, uh, he's a pastor and author. Uh, passed away this week after a three-year uh, battle with pancreatic cancer. Um, and, and he stepped into, with confidence, this belief that for the Christian, death makes life infinitely better because we fall into that perfect love. And in falling into this love that is the center of the universe, it is constantly being expressed in its perfect, whole, pure goodness. We get to experience the capacity of God's love for us and our capacity to love when empowered by God. So let's uh, wrap this up. Uh, put the whole passage in context um, and then uh, one last note on the power that Holy Spirit gives us. So I'm going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me, Paul, to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. That is why I am suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. And I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Holy Spirit gives us the power to trust God with our lives. That whatever lies in front of you, whatever temptations, whatever fear, whatever awkwardness makes you timid, whoever God is calling you to reach out to with the love and the message, the goodness, the gospel of Jesus, you have the power to face all of that and trust God with all of it. Because we have not been given a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. 
because the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That as we walk out of here into the world and the week in front of us, whatever unknowns lie before us, we walk out carrying that spirit because that spirit, the presence and power of God, has come upon each and every person who has given their life to Christ, including me and you. So in that power, uh, let's worship God together. And let me pray for us as we worship and uh, go out into the world together. Father God, we know that in our uh, weakness, um, we, will, we will give in to fear and timidity. In our weaknesses, we may reach for the wrong power. We know that we are in need of your grace. And so we ask for your forgiveness. And we know that we are in need of your love. So we ask that we would experience your love in such a way that it overflows from us and into the people around us. And God, we know that we are in need of your power. Father God, would you fall on us in your power, your grace, and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out our podcast. You can learn more or connect with us online at easthills.org.